0: Happy Valentine's Day! I'm Kathy Connor, and I'm one of the pastors here at First president I'm so glad that you're here this morning. You know, we woke up this morning, and we wake up every morning loved by a good God who wants good things for us. So I invite you to open your heart this morning and lean into that truth, because God wants to speak to you to heal you. He wants to encourage you and help you. If you're new to First Pres, welcome. We want you to know that we're here to serve you in any way that we can. We're all about building real relationships, doing life together, and helping you go deeper in your relationship with Jesus or discover what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. If you would, Fill out the connect card after worship on our website, which you can also access by scanning this QR code. It will take you directly to the connect card, enabling us to connect with you, pray for you, encourage you, serve you and help you get connected into a life group and more. Please share this service on Facebook so that others can join with us in worship this morning. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, you are a good, good Father, and you do want good things for us. And it all starts with you. Because you and you alone can replace the anxiety and the worry and the consternation that we might have woken up with this morning and take us to places we never could have imagined in our souls and in our hearts, in the way that we relate to you, in the way that we relate to each other. It is only by the way that you love us that we have the capacity to love others well. Lord, on our own, we go to places that aren't healthy, that aren't right that aren't other focused. But with you, we're able to love like you do because of the way that you loved us first. The way that you sacrificed everything for us first. The way that you humbled yourself even unto death on the cross for us. So Lord, help us to live and act the way you did Lord, we know that there are people on our hearts and minds who have no idea that they are treasured, cherished, and loved by you this very day. On Valentine's Day, Lord, when they're longing for love, we pray that you would plant seeds in their heart, in their lives, that gives them the sense that they need you, that they want you and that they want to engage with you in a new way. Use us, Lord, to love them in such a way that they're kind of astonished by the grace and the mercy and the unconditional love that we're loving them with because of the way you love us. Lord, there are also people on our hearts and minds who need healing because they're lonely, because they're sick, because of difficulties and challenges that they're facing. And in the silence of our hearts, we lift them up to you now by name. Father, we also pray for Joanne Harvey as she heals from COVID. Lord, we pray for Doug Tuttle, recovering from two back surgeries this week. Strengthen him, Lord. And for Tom Reed and his family in the loss of his father. Lord, wrap your arms around this family as they grieve this difficult loss. Lord, we also continue to pray for Kim Reed and Jim Canali, as they recover from surgery asking Lord that you give them such a vibrancy and such a new lease on life that they can't deny it came from you we always continue to pray for Jackie Faircloth father asking for your healing grace over Jackie and over her family Lord encourage them as they seek to encourage her help her, Lord, even this very day to hear you speak into her life. We also, Lord, pray this morning for Brandon and Grace Alexanian, Grace being the Panino's daughter as they journey to the UK, Lord, so that Brandon can serve our country there. We thank you, Lord, for his service, for his courage, and just ask for your blessings over them in this big move in their life. Oh, Lord, as we live out this day, help us to walk it out closer to you, trusting you more, loving you more. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. This is now the perfect opportunity for all of you to jump up and say hi to the people around you. And for those of you online, you'll be hearing special music from the band during the next 60 seconds.
1: still has a plan for you, whether you realize it or not, whether you're in the highs and the lows of your life, you are here for a reason, and there, that alone gives us a reason to praise our Heavenly Father and make Him a joyful noise, so let's do that this morning. What holds your heart, what stirs your soul?
0: is a special season in the life of the church, giving us the opportunity to go deeper in our relationship with God by practicing living, thinking, and loving the way Jesus did. Ash Wednesday is the moment that helps us begin our journey with Jesus to the cross and to his resurrection on Easter Sunday morning. So our Ash Wednesday service is going to be this Wednesday evening, February 17th. It's a 30-minute service from 6.30 to 7 p.m. at Wright's May. You and your whole family are invited to come. Friends are welcome. Anyone is welcome to come. We just want to make sure that you register on our website. You can order dinner ahead of time and then come right into the service that night as well. I want to make sure you know that giving is not just a financial transaction. It's a spiritual practice that has the power to help you flourish in the life that God intends for you. Jesus said this. He said, give and it will be given to you. Good measure running over, overflowing into your lap. For with the measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. If your giving is rooted in Scripture, in what Jesus has to say about generosity, then it will have the transformative power to heal, to inspire, and to help you come closer to God's purposes for your life. Here are the ways that you can continue to give. Be inspired. Give as Jesus gives back to you. Amen.
2: I'm wearing red it's Valentine's Day happy Valentine's Day you see I'm wearing a red shirt I'm wearing red socks not getting a lot of response however however it's really a trick because I'm not really wearing red because it's Valentine's Day do I do love my Valentine who looks like a nice pink rose this morning don't you think Oh, why am I wearing red? Yes, you know why I'm wearing red. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Bucks, huh? Bucks win. Bucks win. Bucks win. Yes. Yes, they did. The Bucks won. Even Publix has put billboards up to say Bucks win. Bucks win. And so we're wearing red because we care about this, don't we? You know what? No one else cares on the planet. They're sick of it. They didn't like the game. We love the game, didn't we? Yes. just a little fun. Let's just stay on the bucks winning for a second because we're talking about contentment. How long does it feel good? How long? Because if your life is built on winning anything, if your your contentment is is dependent upon winning, oh, we're in for trouble. There's only one person at the end. Everybody else finishes their season with a loss. So if you're not going to be happy without the W, you got a problem. Right now, we all know with football and sports and all this stuff that we lose our minds over, the really, really remarkable players have already gone to work again. They have already started because why they want to win another one. So contentment, which is what we're talking about, we're trying to understand what it's really about. Contentment, let's say it this way, It's we, we've been duped, you and I have been duped, and our culture's changing in ways that are just terrifyingly rapid. We've been duped, friends, into thinking that we're at the center of things, we're the point of reference, what I want, what I like, what I feel, that's how I make decisions, and me in the middle... Pulling all the switches and making all the decisions, command central. We've been duped by our culture. If you want to do it, do it. If you can do it, do it. If you like it, do it. If you don't like it, don't do it. If you want it, go get it. If you don't want it, don't. And and that, my friends, is disaster. Because if I am the point of reference for all decisions, for all reality, then guess what? I'm the point of reference. And we're in this room. Because we want our contentment to be fundamentally grounded in someone way bigger than any one of us. And that person is Jesus Christ. We're in this building in order to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You're sitting at home watching because you want you and your family to build everything around the reference point that will never change. Jesus Christ. Contentment, friends, is what we're trying to say for eight weeks. It's about having our lives anchored, foundational, in a relationship with Jesus Christ and let Him help us see everything, the whole world, and although it's insidiously, dangerously terrible to think that somehow all the decisions have to go through me about what I am and what I like, and oh, because I will wreck it, and there's some, it's just bad. You you don't want me to be the person defining reality, and I don't want you defining reality. I want us together to figure out how God is defining it, and that's what we do as a family of faith. So yeah, we want to think about real contentment, and see, it just can't be about what I want, what I like, what I feel, what I think is right and wrong. It has to be about Jesus, and then I learn how to live inside of Jesus telling me what's real and what isn't, what's good and what isn't, what's better and what's worse. That's the way I want to be. And that's what we're trying to learn here together. And we're trying to let this letter that Paul wrote to these folks in a city called Philippi, we're letting that letter help us understand it. And so let's move the reference point to understanding everything in life, our businesses, our jobs, our family, economics, our government, My relationship with my wife, your relationship with your boss. Let's let all of that true contentment will come when we figure out how to make all of that go through the reference point of God explaining and helping us to understand reality through a relationship with Jesus, and that's that's not easily done, and we do it together, and we're real patient and real humble and real real gentle with each other while we do it, so we've pulled from Paul's letter. a a verse that helps us get into contentment. We're calling it a key verse. It's really two verses. Philippians chapter 4, this letter is divided into four chapters and we're in the fourth chapter about halfway through it and we start with words that aren't as familiar and then we finish with verse 13 words that are very, very familiar. So I'll read them for us and you can see them. You may have some of this memorized already. Paul writes remembering that Paul is writing this and he's in jail. The Apostle Paul is in jail, probably about several hundred miles away from the people to whom he's writing. He's in jail in, the, in Ephesus. He's writing to Philippi. You don't need to know where that is. Just trust me, it's way far apart. I know what it is to be in need. And he means that literally, economically, feel like food. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or living in want. I can do this, or I can do all this, or I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I've been reciting it for you in Greek, that last line. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And notice the English translations move around a little bit. That's okay. Panta iskuo ento meh. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I just have it in Greek and I just think it's kind of fun to say it. And maybe you like hearing me say it. I don't know. Paul is saying that the the conditions or circumstances of his life are not the reason he's content, it's his foundational relationship with Jesus Christ. So I have a little uh, kind of an alliteration to help us get to that. Let's talk about happiness being based on what's happening. That's the part that can change radically, particularly if I make myself the center of things. But let's talk about joy that depends on a relationship with Jesus. Happenings determine my happiness, but Jesus determines joy. And the H's and the J's might help you remember that. What we're saying is that we grow into contentment, not because of anything about us, but because we're fundamentally relating to Jesus. We're going to dig in a little bit more and he's going to show us a real, real cool way that we can put wheels on that and get it on the ground and get it rolling in our everyday life. We jumped from chapter 4 back to the beginning of the chapter to begin to see a little bit more about how Paul means what it means to be in Christ. I can do all things through the Christ who strengthens me and then he says this phenomenal thing. Chapter 1, verse 21. Paul says, because for me to live is Christ and to die is gain why would he be talking about death because he knows that his prison sentence could end with an execution he knows each time he gets thrown in jail and it happens to him frequently in his journeys all over the mediterranean world he gets thrown in prison and it could very easily be the case that he is executed he's innocent of anything close to a crime much less a capital offense that doesn't matter in the ancient world they didn't like you they throw you in jail and paul is writing saying look i I know that if I'm alive, that's about Jesus, and I want to be with you, my brothers and sisters in Philippi, and I, I care about you, and I want us to keep working together to grow this movement so that others can learn that they've been loved by Jesus. That's, that's, that'd be great, too, for, because for me to live is Jesus. But to die is to gain, meaning I, I'm out of all this trouble and now I'm with Jesus forever. That's what he means. So it doesn't matter. He's, he has nothing to lose. Go hard in this life and then enjoy God forever in eternity. And Paul's saying the center of that is Jesus. And I, either way, I'm a winner. And so contentment comes from that. Contentment comes from knowing on whom life really depends. And for Paul, it's this vital, dynamic relationship with Jesus and with Jesus' people. He is a pack animal, Paul is. He loves people, and he's always relating to people. He's never traveling alone. He's always got leaders he's apprenticing, and Paul's moving all over the world with people, brilliant intellect, spiritually in tune, humble, and willing to sacrifice, all kinds of great stuff. So we've been taught, human beings, we've, we've been I've been saying we've been getting duped into thinking contentment is for me to get mine. And that's what Paul's trying to say. No. I want to remind you how smart Paul was. Paul was brilliant. He went to the best school. He had the, a fantastic resume. And it's not that Paul's saying, don't be smart, don't have a great resume. He's saying, I'm using all of that to serve Jesus. All of his natural giftedness that had been given by God got put into service, giving it away to serve Jesus. And therefore he's content. He can't really be too worried about outcomes. He's just worried about releasing it, surrendering. All that he is. He surrendered his life, his job, his everything, and into the hands of Jesus who then uses him. And we've we have ways of categorizing, I've called it human flourishing. So uh, here are five ways that we can think about how you and I pursue things that are good in life. Things that, if we're not careful, however, can trick us because these things are not the end. These are tools that get us to the end, and the end is Jesus. So we've we got five of them listed here. We've, we said faith. It's the first one because it's the most important one. Everything about our life begins to flourish when our faith is a real and a vital and authentic thing. And so there you have that there. And then, and then we said relationships. And so that's family and that's marriages and that's colleagues and that's friends. And those are important. They're not, they're not listed here in importance other than I put faith at the top. And the next one, vocation. I want to say a little bit more about that one just a second and we'll come back to it. Health, meaning physical health. It matters so much to us that we're physically healthy. It's no fun not being healthy. And then we have finances, and we're saying when those things are all sort of working pretty well, human beings flourish. But what we've been duped into thinking is that that's the goal, to get all of that for self. And Paul's saying, oh, no, 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 to live as Jesus. So Paul, a flourishing human being when he has a lot and when he doesn't, why? Because he has himself built on the foundation of using all of it in his life. He's given it all away to, to have Jesus use him in whatever way Jesus wants to use. So job. This is just me picking this one because I thought it would be an interesting thing to do. How is it that our job cannot be a trick, not be a a fancy move to trick us into making ourselves the center of things? And I'm going to say this, and it's pretty simple, hard to work out, and it requires a life of devotion and discipline to do it. Your job belongs to Jesus, it's that simple. It ain't yours. You say, oh, no, no, no. I own the company. I go, oh, no, you don't. You don't own it. Jesus owns it. The minute you start to say, wait a minute, this is not mine. It's his. What happens is everything you do changes in your decision making. Uh, let's just say for those of you, a few of, a few of you own companies. It's Jesus' company. If the company may only have one employee, you but it's still Jesus company and everything you do your clients your customers the people who maybe if you have a company with people who work for you them if you work for somebody your boss your colleagues your your, your peers if those people become your ministry and ministry just means serve that's a fancy word ministry but it can mean serve if you see those people as people that God has put in your life in your company your business your enterprises to serve them oh it changes everything you want to know what contentment is? Contentment is not saying, God, bless my vocation with success and then I'll serve you. No, 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 no. It's the opposite. It's God, I'm giving my job to you and you're in charge of the outcome. But serving you is the release of the job to God. That's what God wants. We serve God when we say, it's yours. God already knows it's his. God wants you and me to trust him enough to make our job his. Everybody can do this. If you aren't working for a check and you spend a lot of time every day doing things, some of you are taking care of family, it's God's family. They're God's children. And If you wake up every day seeing your children as your mission how can I love them, serve them, give them, discipline them, train them, have fun with them, celebrate with them, all of that in service to God, then you know what you're doing? You're making little Jesus followers because they're going to figure it, and you're going to talk with them about that, and the next thing you know, they're going to learn that life is not about me, what I want, what I feel, what I need, what I think. Life is about Jesus, so even in the home, this works. An example, Chick-fil-A. You know anything about Chick-fil-A? Some of you do. Truett Kathy, that's his first name Truett, last name Kathy. he had the crazy idea that that business belongs to God. Well, you go look at their business model. Here's what they're trying to do. What Chick-fil-A would say is 80% of the fast food business, we all do the same thing. We, you drive through, you get your food, you get served quickly, the clock's on, blah, 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 blah. He would say, we're out serving them with 20%. He's adding value to your experience. If you go to Chick-fil-A, you know something is different when you go in there. David Dunkel is sitting over here. He has the crazy idea that God owns his business, and I've learned a lot of this from him. He's nuts. (laughs) I'm serious. He's out of his mind. But content? See, content means it's his. Content means I just do it. And friends, here's what the world needs. Oh, in our, in our city today, you know what your city needs. Your city needs to do your job as best you can do it with all your skill and talent and ability and do it really well and do it as service to God. Oh, does that make a huge difference? People around you will notice They'll notice that you're committed to doing it as best you can. And they need to see that. And then when they hear you say, well, God gave me this and I'm just doing the best I can with it, trying to serve God. Somehow that can happen in a conversation. And you're just sharing yourself in a natural way. And the next thing you know, there people are curious about motivation. They're really curious. And if your motivation is, this is not about me to get mine, it's about me to serve, and I guess I'm just going to, I want God to make the outcome happen. And of course, it's no good. It's no fun. It's not fun, of course, to have a business and the business fail. And I get that, and that's very hard. And some people who've given their business to God have also seen the business, the dollars and cents, not, not work. Many, many businesses don't work. But even those folks who've seen a business go into the ground, some of them have still seen contentment because they managed to keep this relationship with Jesus straight in there. And even in the business not making it, they've managed to survive saying God is good. So I want you to think really carefully about that. I want you to work with me on that. I want you to know that if you want to flourish, it won't be by getting all of those five things in those categories. They're all so great. God made us to need that stuff, but God made us so that we use all of that flourishing in service and surrender to God. It's fantastic. Love God by giving God your job. There's another thing that's really cool that relates to all of this about how we can be content, how we can live for Christ and die to gain, and it has to do with service. I just wanted to show you that last week I quoted the statement, the motto of Jesuit high school. Today I got the Rotary Club for you. You may not even know what Rotary is, but look at what their motto is. Service above self. The Rotary Club movement, a men's and now men and women, a men's started out as men only. Men and women serving, started in about 1911, over 100 years ago. Service above self. There were people who were followers of Jesus who thought that would be a great way to create a service organization. Service above self. It's really hard. To think of others first. And that's what's cool about what's coming next. Watch how we see Paul saying, you want to figure out how to be content. You want to figure out how to flourish with all your giftedness in your faith and in your relationships and in your job and in your health and in your finances. You want to know how to flourish. Serve. And watch how he says it. I'm going to read four blocks, say a couple of things about each one. Therefore. If you have any encouragement from being united with Jesus, and of course you do, meaning we as a team, as a group of followers of Jesus in Philippi, of course we've been encouraged by each other. If there's any comfort together that you've experienced in Jesus' love, and of course there is. If there's any common sharing of God's Spirit present in your life, and of course there is. If there's any tenderness and compassion, and of course there is. Paul's saying all of this encouraging stuff that's going on in this new family of faith, if any of that is going on, then make my joy. Paul, so proud, in prison, so fulfilled, so content that these people got it and they're going down the road of faith and life together. He says, help me to be complete in my joy by being like-minded, having the same love that God has for you, being one in spirit one in mind. Paul's saying, be encouraged. And here's what's really interesting. The city of Philippi would have had as much diversion of opinion about everything under the sun as you and I have in Tampa today. In other words, there are people who think X and Y and Z, and we're all over the board about everything out there in our very kind of difficult world we live in. But guess what? We found a way to get excited about something together, didn't we? We did. For a while, the city is united because we can all say, yay, and see that's what Paul's saying, Jesus has the same impact on people because all these differences sort of fade fade into the background when Jesus becomes the center, the focus, and what Paul is saying is, I know you guys disagree on all kinds of stuff, but be encouraged, you've been united and you are learning to unite yourselves around the central person, Jesus Christ, so that's what he's saying there. He said with all of that being the case, therefore, because you're focused on Jesus, look what he says next. Don't do things out of selfish ambition or vain, or somebody, or the word could be empty conceit. Don't be ambitious and conceited. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Watch this with a side dish of humility. Value others. More above yourselves. Service above self. Men for others. Jesuit, Rotary, service above self. Paul, in humility, value others above yourselves. And he keeps going. How do we do that? How do you operationalize that? Not looking to your own interests, but each of you looking to the interests of others. We become other centered. So with our faith and our family and our relationships and all the things, our money, our health, our job, We value others. And to use the Chick-fil-A language, we're adding value, so to speak, in a business. We're making other people's lives better because we're other-centered. And now he restates it. In all the way we're relating to people, have the same mindset as Jesus. In other words, Jesus is going to be the great example on how to be other-centered. And then there's this powerful thing that comes next. We're going to see it in three blocks. Who being Jesus, verse 6, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Let's just pause there. What Paul is saying is Jesus, pre existent, co creator, vast philosophical understanding of the Trinity here. Father, Son, and Spirit. Jesus Christ, the creator of all reality, set aside that, didn't hold on to it, didn't cling to it, didn't use it to his own advantage. That's not what he did. Rather, verse 7, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. The, The almighty God of the universe took on human flesh, became one of us, sort of voluntarily stepped into human existence. In a sense, setting aside, not setting aside divinity, but setting aside the eternal, eternal godness. Very hard to understand all this, but the second person of Trinity says, I'm going to become one of them for a while making himself nothing and being made human like this look at verse 8 and found as the appearance of a man he humbled himself by becoming obedient and then look at the, the zinger there even death on a cross he took death on a cross which was the way you punish the most heinous criminal lots of other ways to execute people therefore so jesus christ co- co-existent pre-existent co-creator The second person of the Trinity steps into human experience. How are we supposed to serve others? Paul is saying the same way Jesus did. Put it all to work on behalf of other people. And he pays the price of death in a sense a ransom for you and for me. Death was what our hearts cost him. He wants your heart. He wants my heart. He wants me to surrender all of my life to him. My faith, my relationships, my vocation, my health. My money. He wants me to surrender all of that to him. And the price he paid was this, all the way to death. And then look what's happening. Bam! Therefore, our response, the response of all the universe, look what happens. God exalts him to the highest place and gives him the name above every name. It's why we sing. And at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue would confess or acknowledge that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In other words, Jesus gave everything he had, and he did it for us. And because of that, he's lifted up to the highest point. And the knee and the tongue thing means with everything we do and everything we say, all of it is now in allegiance to Jesus Christ. That's what we're saying here. That's what Paul is saying. And Paul is saying, if you want to be content, serve others the way Jesus served and we have all these great things in our lives, all these talents and abilities and passions and capabilities and stuff, and we can use it. We wake up in the morning and say, how can I do my job today for you? Well, that's what Paul is trying to help us to do. Paul wants us to be people who live and love and serve the way Jesus did. And what he did is he served others, others before himself. That's what Jesus did. So I got three things for you, three homework assignments. You ready? The first one is a reading plan. We're working for eight weeks, and you can get your phone out if you want to and take a picture of this. This is almost embarrassingly short. Philippians chapter 2, verses 8 and verses 12 through 18. Seven verses. I want you to read them over and over and over again, but I'm adding a little zinger to it. I want you to read them out loud, I want you to read them to your kids. I want you to have your kids read them to you. I want you to read them to your spouse. Go read them to your dog. Read them out loud. And why am I saying that? Because your eyes read them and see it, and your ears hear it. And that's two ways that you can hear from God. We're we're, we're bringing more media into the picture. And this letter was read first out loud to those folks in Philippi. They never saw it on paper. They heard someone stand up in their assembly and read it. And so we're just imitating these earliest followers of Jesus when we hear it out loud. You know what you can do? Some of the Bible apps will read it out loud to you. Do that. Go to YouVersion and go to it and get them to tell the YouVersion app to read it out loud. T- call Siri up. Siri, read Philippians 2, 12 through 18 out loud to me, and Siri will read it to you, I think. You can even have Siri give you an Australian accent. <laughs> so that's thing one I want you to do. We're going to do this every week, a reading plan. And the full reading plan is posted, but just this week, over and over and over again, because next Sunday, you're going to hear those verses articulated. You're going to hear them discussed. That's the first thing I want you to do. The second thing I want you to do is this. I want you to think about serving somebody. So we are using Jesus as an example, and we're saying service above self, and we're saying being a man or a woman for others, who is it? Who's the person that just came to your mind right now? Who you need to serve? I'm going to tell you who it is for me. You ready? She'll tell you that I'm a nice guy, but I'm really quick to go off on of my agenda. and I don't mean to, I don't even know that, I, it's, just, it's just default, me first. It really has a lot to do with things I like to do when I like to play. And so I think about golf, and I think I'm going to go play golf. And I think, no, and it, like, I did it Wednesday. It was her birthday, and I sort of embarrassed myself. But I did finally, I, before it was an epic fail on Wednesday on her birthday, I pulled it out, didn't I? But, man, I started out wrong. It might be your spouse. And don't, I'm not mixing that up with Valentine's Day. That's not what I mean. Uh, Valentine's Day is just this day that we have, and it's fine. But I'm talking about really think about someone and how can you serve them. And here's what the problem is for me. It takes me out of what I want and how I feel and what I think is good and what I think is fun. And But with the contentment on Wednesday was doing something I knew she appreciated. And it was stuff I'm not good at. But about an hour into it, I thought, hey, this is not as hard. I was sort of scared of it like remembering to buy balloons for her birthday cake or candles for the cake. That doesn't come naturally to me. I'm really bad at it. Matter of fact, knowing that she wanted a cake came at 3 o'clock on her birthday that afternoon. Third thing. So remember, we're going to read out loud. We're going to pick somebody. I hope somebody came to your mind. And the third thing, I've said it four times already. I'm just going to say it a fifth. Your job does not belong to you. Surrender it. Give it to God. That's how you're pleasing God. Yes, of course, it pleases God when you use the results to serve God, but that's the wrong order. Surrender now. That mostly is what God wants. Let God worry about the results. You surrender your job to Jesus Christ right now. If you're a person that hasn't surrendered yourself to Jesus, do that first. I'm going to pray for us now. Gracious God, we thank you that contentment is certainly readily available to us, but, but it means that we surrender everything to you and that we find that when things are good and when things aren't and when things go well and they go bad, when we're hungry, when we have plenty, when money is tight, when money is plentiful, we find all of those things sort of fade into the background. And what really matters is we're anchored in you. Help us, gracious God, to discover this powerful truth that comes from Paul that everything belongs to you. Help us to learn how to give you our job. Help us to learn that you really already own it. Help us to learn that where we work is one of the primary ways of of us being able to serve you. And gracious God, if there's anybody in this room right now, at home or here in the building, who simply hasn't surrendered themselves individually, personally to you, Let that person, let that man or woman do that right now first and begin to live these other things. Let them start today a relationship with you, a surrendered one. We thank you, gracious God, that you are faithful and that you are good and circumstances come and go, but you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thank you, gracious God, that you created and own the universe and you've given us a little piece of it. And your heart delights when we use it to give back to you. In Jesus' name amen my good friends I'm going to invite you to stand and we're going to leave this place serving others we're going to be leave, leave this place imitating Jesus we're going to leave this place full of joy joy which depends on us being founded in a relationship with Jesus y'all sing right now a couple of verses and then we're out of here
1: stirs your soul, what matters come to mind?